Hey, this is Josh Holtzclaw, graphic artist at Pixar, and you are listening to the Master of One podcast. And you can check out my work at bigfriendco.com. Welcome to another episode of the Master of One podcast, the podcast that's open to suggestions. In this episode, we talk about origins, tag, and the art of Incredibles 2. I'm Andrew, your Master of Art and Design. I'm Patrick, your Master of Television and Film. And I'm Luke, your Master of Toys and Games. So prepare for the boom, because this episode's about to go off. It's like dynamite. episode off by going around the table which is where we talk about something new fun and noteworthy about our weeks patrick yes why don't you tell about your week absolutely so um well two things you said <laughs> sounds great riveting <laughs> well i paused for a second because uh i think before the show we said that we're not going to talk about uh hereditary in the master categories correct because we actually ended up talking about it a bit during our conversation last week right. yeah. with um, with Rob Jones and with Eric Garza. Rob and from, Eric. We with talked about a lot who, of Hereditary. The, yes. So with the, the, four, the foremost uh, experts on uh, movies and horror genre, I think we did cover it pretty well. I like that Eric said he was going to be gushing, but in reality, Andrew, it was you. Uh, that I think, to be fair, I think Rob stole some of the... <laughs> Like Eric toned it down based on Rob's response. Well, like, yeah, I think if you've not listened to the episode, go back so you understand what we're talking about here. But <laughs> Rob definitely put a downer tone on what was already a downer tone. <laughs> well, so what I'm curious is, Luke, you haven't seen the film. No, I won't. Yep. I'm sorry. You'll, That's on <laughs> brand. Forget, you'll have to cut that, Jan. Um, you won't, you're not going to see the film, but I'm curious what your thoughts are of the film after listening that to that discussion. I mean, I, I guess... I don't have any more desire to see it. I mean, I don't know. Like, it's it didn't pique your. I know. I know that you weren't gonna see it because it's just not your vibe. No, but I did don't. The conversation pique your interest? No, not. I mean, okay. it just it re, it reaffirmed my reason that I don't want to see it. Like, I just don't do. Like, I can't. I don't like jump scares. I don't. I just don't like going to a theater and just worrying about what's gonna jump out and scare me. But more than it's that, not, it's not a really a jump scare. I movie, know it's but not. Keep going. Okay. But more than that, this movie was definitely like psychological, supernatural, family creepiness, and I don't yes. do any of those well because, I, like, I mean, I definitely think through story and th like I'm a, I play fantasy role playing games. Like I'm definitely thinking through stories and things like that, and all of those do are give me more ideas and things to think about. And then it, it like, it just, it's creeps me out. Like it's just, it makes it so I think of just worse things and I don't like that. Yeah. In your mind, you're like, if I go see hereditary, I will be dead in 24 hours. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> I will worry myself to death about possibilities. Yeah. Right. Exactly. It's not even the movie. It's no. just the anxiety surrounding yeah. the fact that you're watching the movie <laughs> exactly. is what's going to give yep. you the anxiety. Yep. I, I, so I knew what was going to happen. This is the best. I, I knew what was going to happen in the film. And so. Yeah, because you, you know look at say. spoilers, right? Is that why? Because you just he look at everything. He wasn't intending to see I, the film. I wasn't going to watch it. And so I figured, well, I'm not going to watch it, but I'll at least read what's going to happen. Sure. So that way, like, I'll still kind of know what people are talking about. Right. Well, then it then it turns out we actually, uh, yeah, the film did happen. Sure. Um, but so because of that I knew the times to like maybe like close my eyes or look away. The problem is, I think that what I have imagined in those places is probably worse than what actually happened. And I still ended up getting like nauseous during the film, just thinking about what was probably on the <laughs> other side. He literally pulled his hat down over his eyes. Yeah. yeah. Because I, I knew well, that's like, how the, I am. I watch those movies thinking, here's what could happen. And I, I just scare myself before the scares even happen because it's already like, 
Oh, this would be terrible. So would this. So would this. Oh, it'd all be terrible. Why am I even watching this? My favorite part about this whole conversation is you started by saying we're not going to talk about this. And then <laughs> well, we I mean, have, you're not going to give your nothing, review. We've done nothing to review the film other than talking ethereally about how it makes how these kinds of films make us feel. Yeah. <laughs> well, then let's do something new. I, I'll do something real quick. So, uh, Jetpacks and Roller Skates, Mr. Blake Stevenson, or as I like to call him, Captain Canada. Um, okay. He is doing this new series on Timed Edition called Some Assembly Required, also known as SARS. So I think we could probably workshop the name a little bit, um, or at least the abbreviation. You know what's funny is he did workshop the name, and, and I no helped. one pointed that out at the time. Yeah, <laughs> no, but I, I, it's endearing. No, it's not. So anyway, but what happens is, so this is what he does. So this is a creative exercise Blake does. And if you haven't seen Blake's work, go look up Jetpacks and Roller Skates. I mean, he's got just... I don't know another word to say other than fun, good work, exciting, great work. I mean, it's he's so consistent, and he he has he has managed to really carve out his style with the stuff that he does, and he does a really good job at um at balancing. How do I say this? Uh, he does a really good job at stylizing objects so you know what they are, but they're like not the versions of themselves. They're they're Blake's versions of themselves. Okay. Uh, you, you'll go look at it and you'll you'll see what I'm talking about. But he has this um, creative exercise where he will get a few like kind of like random uh, nouns, I guess, and uh, and he will force him like force himself to to mash those up and and then draw them, and it's it's a way of thinking outside of your box. It's a way of um, introducing new objects and new. Um, you know, whatever into your repertoire. And so what he's doing with some assembly required is exactly that. There's a list of, of items. Those get randomly drawn. And then what he does is he goes and he does a mashup uh, with that list. And so the first one has gone up on timed edition uh, again, some assembly required. And this, uh, the, the ones picked was uh, rainbows, light bulbs and sludge. So that's the items he ended up with, and then he illustrated those. That piece is available for sale, and then, uh, of course, there are um, – sorry, that piece is available for sale, and then there's a process video up as well right now. There's a part two, so you can see the process video, and he talks a bit about why he made the decisions he did. Now, what we're going to do right now – I did all that intro to tell you what we're going to do right now is we're going to pick his next three items he has to illustrate. So do you all feel good about that? Yeah. I feel fine about it. Okay, so what I need from each of you – is I need a number. This is for this is let's do this from one through nine. I guess I'll pick the last one. But um, Luke, give me number one through nine. Seven. Andrew, give me number one through nine. So <laughs> I would say two. <laughs> so two. <laughs> um, seven two seven two seven two. So I'll do. I'm gonna do four. Seven two four. Are you looking at okay, the list of words? Is this calculated comics with Colby? Wait, wait, wait. Are you looking at a list of words, Patrick? <laughs> I do. Yes, I have All a All right, list. then pick. It's seven, two, and I'm going to pick three also. You don't get to pick because you're yeah, looking you at words. You don't get to see the words. Oh, no, no, no. I have a list, but I'm not looking at it right now. Oh, okay. I don't I don't know what four is when I pick four. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah I just, I mean, I have a, I mean, these numbers co- correlate to something I do have access to. Right. Okay, so here's what we've just picked. So is everybody ready for this? Yeah. Uh, uh, so you might need to write these down. Uh, we have just picked. Uh, it's not as if someone's recording this. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. We need to actively write this down in the moment. There's no <laughs> way to recall it. <laughs> Submarine, butterfly, raven. That's what it is. Submarine, butterfly, two I, flies and a dive. Okay, so he, so that, here's isn't the thing that a now. song so by Jeff, Crazy Town? Mm-hmm. Submarine, butterfly, so, raven. <laughs> <laughs> so Jetpack now has lyrics. to illustrate this. He has no choice. This will come up in in part two or or the second edition of no, some assembly required. Um, but you can uh, also illustrate these items. So do your illustration of those items again: submarine, butterfly, raven. Do an illustration of those items. Post it. Uh, use hashtag some assembly required. Make sure you at Jetpacks and Roller Skates at Timed Edition at M of One Podcast. Uh, post it out there for people to see. Uh, these are things that, uh, you know, he wants to see, he wants to show off to other people, but also it's good practice. It's just, it's good for, for you now have a prompt that pushes yourself out of your box. You don't need to spend a lot of time on this. 
you know, this doesn't have to be something that you, you know, spend a day on. This is something you can spend 30 minutes on. But sit down for 30 minutes, sketch something out, again, using the prompt, submarine, butterfly, raven, Luke. That's all I have. Luke, you can go and take it. Yeah. So my week, uh, you know what, man? It, it was... I, w- I was getting ready for Origins pretty much all week, and I went to Origins, and I'll talk about that in my master category. I talked a little bit last week about 3D printing, uh, and so I've made progress. My my printer is together. I, I've made a couple test prints, made some, like, batarangs uh, for Milo, um, a couple little, like, gem things for Jonas, and then I was able to start printing big things, and so I've I've built I've printed two pieces uh, so far for a ship uh, that I'm going to use for Dungeons and Dragons. And when I say uh, bigger pieces, they're not huge. I'll show you them now. Boop, 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 boop. Right here, they're not huge pieces, but for a 3D printer, uh, this one took. 12 hours this one took 11 hours uh they d- they're decently detailed Look at that. they're super detailed they're i mean they're it's pretty amazing the you quality can see the grain and all the pieces of wood where the where the all the boards connect um, and once i get all three done i'll post a picture probably on social media it'll be my one for the like, quarter um are you gonna get like like i say string but like rope and stuff and put a big mast and like uh, like big sails and cloth and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, so here's the thing. They give you – so it, the company I got this from, it's printablescenery.com. Uh, I backed them on Kickstarter, and so I got access to a whole bunch of different uh, you know designs that they had made. Um, they give you in each ship – so there's like five or six different ships, and then there's like a lighthouse and a warehouse and a uh, – you know, like saloon or, you know, all kinds of like, there's like a tribal hut and all kinds of cool stuff for like uh, fantasy RPG tabletop games. Um, but they give you in these, they give you all the different pieces to print, but then they give you all the instructions on like, so you have to use like dowel rods um, to put the mast up. So the like mast will be 16th inch dowel rod yep. type things. Yeah. And then they give you the pieces that are like the rigging. And they get, you know, you print all those pieces out to kind of connect it, kind of like, uh, what's the, not, not Legos, but like kinetics or whatever, like those kind of idea. It looks like that. And then you attach like to here, the, these, uh, like looks like big, like rope, uh, attachments is where you would attach the, like the thread. string and the thread yeah. to, uh, thread up the sales and all and that. They, do they give you like recommendations yep. on what thread to yep. purchase and yep. the, the all of that and all that stuff? So it's pretty cool. How does cool. it attach together? Cause it looks like it's just two flat. It, ends it, that it is up. too flat. So there's one little part, uh, because of how, I don't know if you can see it in the light, but yeah, how my print, there is one like ridge that kind of off printed. And I don't know if that was a problem with, uh, I think it was just a problem with my bed. I had a layer height set a little too low um, but then there's these two holes where you can put like uh, little, you know, dowels or guide rods to connect and those together and you just glue it with, you know, uh, CA glue or super glue or whatever. Um, clamp it? Uh, CA should be fine. Once I sand it flat and it fits, you know, flush is CA or cyanoacrylate super glue or whatever will will just bond it and it'll be fine. It should just stay. Um, but yeah, and then I can prime it and paint it all up and, and be ready for the table. Um, but so that's, that's been most of my week when not working and not, uh, hanging out with the kids. Uh, I've been printing and learning how to use a 3d printer and it's definitely, uh, it takes a long time. Things take a long time to print. It's surprising how, uh, how long it actually takes for something so small. Yeah. Um, other than that, I got in the mail, I got, uh, the hoods book, the hoods by design, uh, freelance and business and stuff. I got that in the mail and there's something, I mean, the digital copy was great, but there's something about holding a, a, a physical book and seeing the layout actually in print. I mean, we, we touched on it, 
uh, when we were just talking to um, Martin, Martin G. Martin G on uh, from Time about just print is different, right? Um, so there's something about uh, just holding that book, and they did really well on it, and they they added this fun little kind of like. Uh, trophy that you can put together and put on your desk and it says world's best boss or world's best salesperson world's best creative director and world's best employee um and that's it's fun they do fun things uh, i thought that was a dundee award when you first held it, it kind of looks like a dundee <laughs> it's a fundy oh wow you see what i did there <laughs> yeah, yeah we that did. sounds like something that you would just roll your eyes at me for saying absolutely but it was a it was an andrew joke <laughs> um <laughs> Anyway, that was my week. Andrew, okay. tell us about yours. Yeah, let me take it uh, let me take it to Funky Town, <laughs> as they say, as the hip kids say. Um, this week has been a lot of just uh working and adjusting to um some new norms and uh within the workplace and as well as preparing. I have so I get to have surgery. Um by the time this episode airs, it will be post surgery. Um, and so we're actually recording this a little bit earlier than we typically would because I'll be recovering from surgery, but I'm having like nasal surgery. Um, having my, I have a deviated septum and there's another thing they have to do, but they can't do the thing that they need to do, which would be a very easy outpatient procedure. Um, because I have such a deviated septum and so they have to fix that, which is a lot more invasive of surgery. So I get to do that in a couple of days. So I've just honestly been trying to to balance the preparation and moderation of anxiety for yeah. that. Um, first of all, it's going to cost a lot of money. Second of all, I mean, my face is going to be cut open yeah. <laughs> like, for, for all intents and purposes. Uh, what they're doing with my nose is uh, it's no small, you know, uh, small procedure. And so um, I just have a lot of anxiety about that. So well, that's the re- um, but real reason that, we're stopping YouTube. Is because of that. That's the real reason, because I don't want people to... I'm going to get so handsome afterwards, yeah. the internet won't know how to handle it. Yeah. Um, but in the midst of all that, I did get a couple things in the mail that I want to share. Uh, a couple of these things you can still pick up. Um, but uh, we've talked about our friends over at Keymaster Games. Space Park is a game that was on Kickstarter. I was a backer of, Kickstar- of, uh, of Space Park. Um, but on top of that, I was a, a part of the launch crew. And so that oh, was nice. like being part of their, their marketing... Um, a way of getting the word out while the campaign was going on. And so as a thank you for that, the campaign is over. They're in production, all these different things. We're actually getting pretty close to actually getting them. Real close. I believe. In the next month or two, I should have my actual copy. Um, I got a card in the mail. Very nice printed uh, Keymaster with the logo on the back. Uh, We're not visual anymore, so I have to explain this. Um, It's got one of the locations on the whole card, and it says Space Park. The artwork on this game is amazing. And then inside it just says thank you and really cool script and uh, the Keymaster guys have both signed it. And they sent a sticker that has the Keymaster Vanguard 2018 launch crew sticker. Oh, nice. Uh, and then the uh, it's the exact same design, but it is the commemorative patch. So it's nice. a patch for like a jacket or whatever. It's got the logo. It's very, very cool. Um, but what's even cooler is they, it's a, it's a patch with Velcro on the back. So if you just, as opposed to like the iron on or the sew on, if you do, if you get a section that's, it's more like military style where they have the Velcro sections on the jackets and then this will just Velcro right onto it. Um, so thank you, uh, to the Keymaster guys for continuing to put out really, really good work, uh, and being a company that I feel good about believing in (laughs) and supporting, right? Um, speaking of believing and supporting, Patrick mentioned the uh, a couple. There's a couple things. Patrick mentioned Captain Canada. Well, I'm going to talk about uh, General Canada. If if Blake Stevenson gets captain, what does Kolb get? <laughs> He's ambassador, have some, ambassador Canada. Some ambassador of Canada. Um, so he posted the other day uh, this Shape of Water. Oh yeah. Mini, he does yep. the mini dioramas. So it's an eight inch by eight inch and colors are stupid good. Like, I don't know what he's getting these printed on, but they're they're weirdly deep, very deep, very vibrant. Yeah. Like ultra saturated. And the paper is just is top notch. Anyway, shape of water 
Uh, it's uh, the girl and the creature. Um, the creature's in the tank, and she's in that room, like the the um, exam room or whatever. Lots of fun, cool little details in it. I bought this, and then as I was chatting with him, he said, do you mind? Um, he was working on another one. He sent me kind of an in-progress shot of another one he was working on. He said, would you mind waiting a couple of extra days to get your print? I said, no, that's fine. And so because of that, he sent me this one as well, which is the Boba Fett riding the space monster. Well, that's cool. Um, yeah. So he knows I'm a big fan of Boba Fett. Uh, and so I ended up getting a two-for-one deal from uh, from my good friend Andrew Kolb. So those are going to be framed very soon and go up uh, in various places in my studio, in my office. Final thing I want to do to brag on some people um, – Tom Whalen and Jared Mariama, both big, you know, big friends of the show. They've been on you. If you listen to the show, you know who they are. Even if you have never listened to the show before, this is your first time. You know who those guys are. It's weird to say you're proud of them because they've done so much already. They're so accomplished. But I'm so, I'm so proud for two things. Just a nice shout out for both of them. Tom mentioned last week or two weeks ago when we had him on the show for 10 with Tom that he got to do something I don't even know if this was on air or not, but he got to do something with the with Disney for the new ride at Disneyland. Just went up today on the record date. He posted that someone took a picture of one of the billboards in downtown like Anaheim of his work for the new Incredibles coaster at Disneyland. Mm. And he I just I'm so proud and excited for him because that's like such a really cool, big deal, high profile working directly with Disney. So cool. Jared Mariyama, he's done a, a thousand and ten um, other projects with with Disney, but one really cool that just popped up today in Shanghai Disneyland, they're using all of his like chibi style cute artwork on the official balloons that they get that they sell on Main Street. And so, like when you think about Disney, you think about a handful of things, right? You think about uh, Dole Whip, you think about the Mickey Mouse uh, ice cream bar, you think about main street you think about the castle um and you think about those balloons you know you think about the the people at the front of the park yeah. in main street that have these bunches of balloons and uh and typically they're pretty classic there's not a whole lot of stuff they do with them but the one for shanghai disneyland they used all of his artwork on all of these balloons and it is so cool to see and you can just tell from his post how excited he is and uh you know for these people who are excellent people, so fun, so nice, I love to see how successful they are and when they get excited about projects. So yeah. shout out to those two guys um, for doing good work and continuing to get recognized for it. So that's it for the Around the Table. Up next, we're going to talk about some Master Categories. Master category section each week is when we talk about the tokens we drew the week before. We pick our topics based on those categories. Luke, yeah, you got toys and games i did and you're gonna talk about some yeah. right now I w okay i'll do that uh yeah so i got a chance to go to uh origins game fair in columbus ohio uh on saturday um and i took the boys with me it was their first game convention and um it was my first time going to Origins. so i've been to gen con a couple times i've been to pax east um, but Origins has always been one that like... It sounded like you said PAX Yeast. <laughs> no, PAX East. <laughs> well, um, well. That happens in Boston. And, uh, but Origins was something that has been in Columbus for a while and I just never got a chance to go. Um, and I'm really glad I went. It's, so it, it's the same style as Gen Con, but on a, an, on a smaller scale. It's just not as big. Um, they still have uh, most of the same main vendors that you see. Um, it's not uh, it's not as many people, so there's not as many events going on. There's still like the true dungeon, which is like um, D and D meets LARPing, um, which it, which is sold out every year at Gen Con. It, they sold out here, I believe, too. And it's a really cool event. Like, just Origin is, is really cool in general. Um, children eight, uh, nine and under are free. So Milo got to go for free. 
uh, you know, a day pass will set you back 25 bucks. So it's not super expensive. If you, if you're early bird on the full four day pass, it's uh 75 bucks. So it doesn't cost that much to get into and you still get access to all the vendors and all the games that you would want to play. So, uh, we just went, we went for the day and we decided just to walk the convention floor and check out all the games and all the artists and all that stuff. And I saw so much cool stuff. I think, I think we walked away with, uh, let's see if I counted up, um, eight games, uh, and, and paid for three of them. Um, and there were just people, so, and this doesn't happen ever. Origins, I think, is a little different just because of the, the size and just the, the vibe of it. But there were a lot of people, a lot of really cool people that were just like, hey, I want you to check this game out, you know? And, like, I have a press pass, and so I think part of it is just if, if you check this out, you know, say something about it, and that stuff will be coming down the pipe. But, um... It was uh, it was really cool that people were just like interacting with the kids and talking to them, saying, "Hey, what games do you like to play? Uh, have you played this game?" Or, "Oh, you like that kind of stuff? You should check out this." And it was it wasn't really about um, like me as a, a press person as much as it was mm -hmm. like me as a dad and with my kids. And so that was really cool. Um, so I'm going to run through just just what I saw what I, what I took away. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, we'll, we'll move on. But first of all, uh, I met up with our friends at facade games. Uh, they had Deadwood there. Uh, so I was able to check out the, the production run. It's going to be freaking awesome. Uh, but then I was also able to snag Salem and Tortuga, uh, which are their two games that they came out with previously. So uh, I believe I added those. I did the add on. Oh, for nice. Those, so I think yeah. I will be getting them. Uh, so it's cool because they're they definitely they look like books, just like Deadwood will look like a book and it'll look really fun on the shelf sitting there. Uh, the game pieces are super nice. They had a board. They had like a spinning wheel. So they let the boys each take a spin. Uh, Milo won uh, two game pieces, two extra game pieces. And Jonas won uh, a timer, like a 30 second uh, like dial or uh sand timer mm -hmm. so that was cool um so saw them they're super nice we will be talking to them on the show at some point um i of course ran into our friends at uh keymaster was able to see um the so they had the proof stuff for uh space park they didn't have the final production stuff uh it was it looked good uh kyle Kyle was very clear that the colors were off, but it still looked great. Um, uh, but w I was able to pick up Caper. Um, this game, it the components are so well done. Like it's for a for a small like a small game company and a small publisher. Like it, their attention to detail and the just their. Um, uh, commitment to quality components is amazing. Like it just, the cards are super good. They feel great. All of everything makes sense on how it's designed. Uh, the game just looks really nice when it's put together and put out on the table. Uh, it's a fair bit more complicated than I would have thought. Like the, I, I downloaded the rule. The I game bought itself. It. Yeah. I pre, I pre-ordered it sure. and they give you a print and play version yep. of it. And so you can you can download the uh, the rule book or whatever. Yep. There's a lot to be there's a lot to be learned. Yeah. But that being said, I agree with you wholeheartedly. In fact, um, we're going to be chatting with Josh Emmerich, who did all the artwork yes. and stuff for it, cool. about Caper and showing some process stuff, and that will be I think airing exclusively on Timed Edition. Cool. So. Uh, it, I mean, the game is just great. It looks great. That's like the full production version, this right? Is like the, it's ready yeah, to this be is sold. the final. Yeah, this is it. Um, it's good. It's it's super good. Uh, they they just do great work, and it's uh, a really fun game. Um, so and you'll be posting like a play test for like yep. video or something of yep. that in the coming weeks. Yep. Um, yeah. The other stuff I got, I got a so I got two games that have just been on my list of games to get. Uh, that aren't necessarily like new, uh, but they're deck builders. 
that have decent reviews. So one is Eminent Domain. Uh, it's just a deck building game. It's space themed. You have different uh, empires that you're trying to just uh, build uh, a domain. And uh, super fun. Just any deck builder I'm in. Uh, and then the other is uh, the Street Fighter deck builder game, where it's uh, you're just you have your group of people and you're running through uh, a fight, and uh, it's all the characters you know and love. Um, so I got those, and then uh, another person I ran into, uh, and, and I got this game called Galatoon. And so initially, I saw this and I I just I was like, okay, I mean this is fine, whatever. Uh, but they were doing play tests and, and the boys and I sat down to play it and um, it was really fun. Like I, at first it's like Japanese anime style design and it's a card game similar to kind of Pokemon where you have cards and you, you play actions uh, and you know, you have HP. The difference is, is it's um, you have HP and you don't drop like you're not out when you die. So if your HP drops to zero, it's it's more like a video game where you just like um, you're knocked out and then you come back and you can either come back as uh, the, the same character or you can just pick a new character. And each character has different life and different action points and what they can do or, you know, what they uh, however many cards you get is based on your your action points. So you only have so. um and the cards are really well done too. It's this guy is from Ohio also. So the cards um, on one side is, is just about the character and kind of their basic abilities. And then the other side is like a foil, um, de, you know, designed that has the character, you know, a full shot of them with their health, health counters and their uh, type, whether they're like a good or a bad or, you know, tech or life or war domain or whatever like that. Um, it's just, it was a really fun, easy mechanic game. The boys picked it up really fast, and they really liked it. Um, we'll probably be talking to him on the show at some point. Um, the other game I got is this game called O'Cluck. And it's a card game where you basically have two roosters, and then you play action attack cards um, against other roosters. And... Uh, in, in order to knock those roosters out, if you knock a rooster out, you get the eggs from the rooster at the end of the game. Whoever has the most eggs, aka victory points, wins the game. That's it. Roosters don't lay eggs. Just they have the eggs, though. The the okay. roosters have. Eggs. You're just saying, like, if they buy eggs at that point, they have them. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Kind of like how I can have eggs. Yeah. yeah. In the same way, if you knock Patrick out of his house, you can have <laughs> you whatever can have eggs he has eggs. in his refrigerator. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so the cool thing about this game, uh, so we were walking down the convention floor uh, and somebody says, Hey Luke, which is a weird thing because really the only people who know who I am are the guys at Keymaster, And we had just talked to them about 15 minutes ago. Uh, so I turn yeah, and, and no one else is named Luke. So like, it's weird to hear the name. <laughs> right. Luke. Well, he said, Hey Luke, Luke Gall. I was like, oh. uh, okay. So I turn and it is, uh, my, my friend, Chad Kreider that I grew up with. He is the one that created this game. Um, Sweet. So we sat down and we were playing. Uh, he was teaching us how to play, and, and it's really easy for... It says eight and up. Um, Milo just turned eight. He had no problem picking it up. Um, and Well, it's actually 13 and up. That's what it says here. But he had no problem playing it. Um, it's a really fun just card game. There's, there's attacks, there's dodges, there's special attacks... Uh, and it just goes around, and it it gets pretty uh, uh, it gets pretty crazy. And around, there's different things that can like counter attacks, and then add other attacks. And so, at one point, we had four different attacks that had to resolve on one turn, and uh, it was really fun. And the artwork is um, simple, but it is well done, um, and it, it fits the theme of the game. So uh, that was cool. And then. The last thing I got, and this is the one that was just like, it just blew me away. It was the first time in a while that I saw a board game mechanic and, and I, I was taken aback. It was like a thing of just, why did nobody think of this before? Um, and it's a company uh, that 
Um, I'd never heard of. They only have this one system, and they have two games for it. Uh, the name is Lumo Amuso, uh, Amuso, and it's the Lark Lamp. It's a magic lantern game system. And so what this is, is it is a, uh, a wood lantern that you make. And uh, it comes with the lantern and one game. And this game, the game it comes with is called uh, Wisp in the Veil. And so the, I'm, I'm going to try and show you kind of the idea for this game. So here's your lantern. Hmm. But as you play the game, here's your, your board is illuminated around the lantern. Yeah. And, and you, those tiles can change. Yeah. So as the board changes or as it's really hard to show you from That's here. Really cool. That's a really cool idea. But as you can swap out those inserts, I'm guessing. Right. But also you can move them up and down and the board grows and things change. Um, there's a lot of different things you can do with this idea. And, and the guy um, that made it was kind of telling me some of the ideas he has for future games. So it, the wisp, wisp so in the So we're going to try to get it to market before him. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's already there. He kickstarted it. It was successful. Uh, and now he's just working on putting out more. So Wisp in the Veil, you, every, it's, a, it's a three against one kind of mechanic uh, or all against one kind of idea where um, three people are playing the villagers and one person is playing the Wisp. And you're, I, the idea is the Wisp is, is going around and trying to, to get the people and um, the villagers have to uh, move to the to home, the pers first person to get out from the outside into the village, uh, you know, is you have to beat the wisp. If the wisp gets everybody, he wins. If the villagers get in, they win. Um, and so you move around this board, and different things are are light and shadow uh, based on you know where the the tiles are. There's things that let you move those tiles around or switch them. So you could switch uh, for the player opposite you. You can switch um, the way that these are oriented. You can, you know, just flip them backwards, and that makes it a different board or blocks the path or anything like that. Um, so that's the first game that came out. And here's what the the figure pieces look like. They're really simple, but they're really well done. So there's the the this is the wisp, and then these are it. the little figures. Uh, here's the third one. I love the simplicity. I, I, I don't mind simplicity when it's not generic. Exactly. It's, it's just it's simple, so well but done. It's got really unique like design. Here's the you spin for how far you can move. And it's just a really, you know, simple, well-designed just spinner that sits on the table. You just hold your finger on it and spin, flick, flick to spin the paper. Um, so that's the first game is the Wisp and the Veil. The second game is called the Snink's Trap. Um, and the idea for this game is there is a Snynx, a little Snynx character that goes around the board and you're trying to lure it um, close to your, uh, closer to the lantern, there is a trap and, and it's, it's um, shown by different bars. Uh, and so what you're doing is you're casting spells to try and um, get the wisp to either come closer to you or to go farther away from other people. And then you can also move these um, pieces up and down and then it'll grow the board and kind of move different paths. So, um, so those two games, they're, they're similar enough as far as just how they function with the light, um, but different enough. So it doesn't feel like you're playing the same game. Uh, he said he has an idea for kind of like a light RPG. Uh, and so uh, the guy that made this game, um, he had a background in uh, video games. He, he had done a couple different games um, working up until he decided to just go for this Kickstarter and do this full time. Um, and his last game, he said, uh, of note, the last game that he had worked on was Splinter Cell Chaos Theory. So he's done like AAA stuff, not just like, you know, little small indie, indie games. Looking. He, yeah. He's done like other just regular games and um, super, I mean, it's just a super refreshing idea. Like it, it's just 
to me, it was just amazing. Uh, I, I was, I was completely in the, we saw it, the, me and the boys saw it and we, we just, we had to have it and we had to, uh, we're, we're, we're super excited to play it. Like I just, I just got it put together before this. Um, and, uh, he even gave us a little pin. There's a little wooden pin with a, uh, eyeball and a spade. Um, I, I like the components. Yeah. The components it's, it's are really are, well done. I think you said the word refreshing. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good word for it yeah. because it's not the same that everybody's doing, but it's done with a very high level of excellence. And even though it's simple, simple can be done poorly or it can be done extraordinarily well. And this looks like it's done the latter. Right. Uh, and then, uh, I mean, there was a whole bunch of great stuff there. It was super cool. cool. One other guy, uh, and we'll talk to him in the future too, was Brian Collin. He does this creature curation and he does these sculptures, uh, that are just completely crazy and weird. He has this whole world of, uh, Revelo that he's created, um, and different stories in that. Um, and he's a, he, he started in comic books. He's gone into sculpting and created this world he does that, uh, but he's also getting into RPG stuff. And he made these little dungeon decks. And what it is is it's a it's a dungeon. It's a little one uh, you know like one shot campaign. You can get to the dungeon in a night, and it's it's all these different rooms in the dungeon. You just draw a room, you play it. There's a DM that has you know different rules for what creatures are in this dungeon as you lay it. Uh, and you just take a group of people, um, make your characters, and you just do a dungeon run uh, in one night. And you can play as many rooms as you want, or as, you know, as, whether it's four or six or twelve rooms, you can just go through. And it's just all you need is a, a PDF and a pack of cards, and you can run through and play this dungeon. And I thought that was a really fun, easy little idea for anybody who wants to play RPGs but doesn't want to get into. Uh, everything you know where the com the complexity of you know pen and paper and and D, &D and miniatures and a big board and all this components like what i do um it's a cool little idea so a lot of really cool connects a really cool uh show in origins they were great i i did a lot of video um so i'll put something together for uh you should see that in the next little bit here um but it's a really good really good event so if you've if you've seen anything, whether it's like a maker fair or a little game convention locally, just go to it because there's really cool stuff. You'll meet a lot of really cool people and see see some really cool games. Um, but Origins and is great. And you'll have the opportunity to get stuff in the moment as opposed to Kickstarter, exactly. Where you're yeah. supporting you those walk same away kinds with of people. It. Yeah, yeah. Um, so why don't I throw it to Patrick? All right. Happily. So TV and film this week and uh, the movie train has continued. Uh, but this week I'm going to talk about one film and that's the new film uh, tag. So tag is directed by Jeff Tomzik. And in fact, this uh, is really his first movie. Uh, he's done a lot of work with TV. And in fact, the, the TJ Miller special, um, the meticulously ridiculous, yeah. that's uh, he directed that as well. Um, but again, this Have is you his first that? movie. Uh, you know, I watched part of it. I, I didn't finish it, to be honest. That's the one where he walks out it with pours, the bottle of water. Yes, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. It is it is absolutely ridiculous. So, But Tag has, uh, I mean, a, a lot of people you're going to know. It's, it's Ed Helms, uh, Jake Johnson from New Girl, Hannibal uh, uh, Buras, um, uh, Jeremy Renner, John Hamm. Uh, so it's, uh, it's, uh, and it's about a group of friends. It's, it's loosely based on a true story, uh, of a group of friends that had a game of tag that had gone on for something like 30 years and they would only play it for the month of May. But, uh, during that month they would, you know, try to tag each other. And then whoever was the last tag at the end of the month was it for the rest of the year. And, uh, and then they would pick it up again the next year. And so, uh, no spoilers on this because it is a new film. The film has only been out for one weekend. Um, and um, and I know both of you guys haven't seen it yet. So I definitely don't want to give anything away. I, I will see it tomorrow night. Okay. Uh, I will say this. The, the humor of the film was probably the most surprising part to me. Um, 
I did not expect it to be a good film. Um, in I don't I actually don't say that in a negative way. It's just the type of the film, the time of year it is, the people involved. Uh, it's just not something you walk into thinking that you're going to walk away from, you know, impressed by the the direction and the cinematography and the story arc. And it's not like that type of stuff. This is something you're going in so you can just forget about the world for an hour and a half and then go back to your life. And um, but that being said, I expected um, I didn't expect the humor to be as uh, edgy as it was. It is it is um, there are some moments that like for the second one, like when it happens, your your jaw is going to drop a bit. Uh, It is very unexpected for the group of people it is. Um, and in fact, I would say that the film probably more closely follows, it feels a bit more like Jake Johnson, as uh, his style of, of humor than anyone else. Um, but it is a, uh, well, him and Hannibal, Hannibal, uh, Buress, but it is uh, a very, um, edgy film as far as the comedy is concerned. Now, as far as the acting, in those type of things, uh, it, it is what you would expect. I don't know that there's anybody I would consider a standout. I think Hannibal, uh, he's one of those guys that his delivery, you just can't help but but laugh every time he opens his mouth or, or, or smile every time he opens his mouth. So in that from that standpoint, he would be a standout to me, but I don't think anybody's performance was particularly good or particularly bad. One thing to note, I do not know if this is going to make your watching experience better, or if it's going to make it worse, but here it goes. Jeremy Renner broke both his arms on the third day of filming. What? A lot of this movie that was filmed, he is actually in real life wearing two casts that are painted the same green screen material. So they could actually CGI in no new way. arms. No way. So when you are watching this film, you get to play... Are these Jeremy's arms? That no is the game way. that you get to enjoy watching this film. And you also get to notice that when he's standing, like who's around him? What's covering up? Where is he holding his arms? And you're going to realize that the dude has two broken arms. So That's hopefully crazy. that will make your movie watching experience more did enjoyable. He, did he break both of his arms Filming? on the set of yes. Avengers 4? No, no. He <laughs> broke it on the, it was on the set of this film. Um, all I'll say is that when it happened, it had to do with a really tall stack of chairs. Okay. So when you see the film, you'll know when that happened. But it, three days into filming, had to do the rest of the filming with two broken arms. So let that add a new level of excitement to you when you watch the film. So now, what's the number you would give it? Um, because <laughs> it's, you know, all this stuff is relative. Uh, I actually would give this an eight um, because the type of film. I did not walk in there expecting a masterpiece of filmmaking. I wanted something that would make me laugh. I don't think anyone's like demanding you like justify that. Yeah. Like I think we all understand when we when we do the numbering system, it's not based over the entirety of our movie going experience. It's based on genre. It's based on a whole lot of a whole slew of things that are subjective. Well, and I just want to say this. So uh, reviews have been very negative. Fairly negative for the film. I mean, it, it, um, all over. I will say, though, some are pretty ridiculous. Uh, RogerDeber.com has a review up right now that was done by Glenn Kinney. And it is one of the most ridiculous reviews um, as far as uh, uh, one of the most asinine reviews I have read in recent memory. Uh, the the points that Kinney Like in a good way? No, in a very bad way. The points Kenny is trying to argue about the film uh, just earn such an incredibly deep eye roll from me um, in, in really to the point of nearly making me angry at how ridiculous his stamp, his like standpoint is. So as much as you're going to see, you know, with a cursory search, you're going to see um, uh, some negative numbers. It doesn't mean that someone was walking in there with the, with the correct posture for the film. I mean, you you have critics that their job is going and watching films, whether they they want to watch them or not. 
And the problem is, if they don't want to see a film, that is going to more time. That's going to many times influence the decision. And it, that's a different scenario than someone that is actually wanting to see the film going and seeing the film. And, and I think that you would find that, generally speaking, reviews would would like a, the public's reviews would generally speaking be higher than critics' reviews because a critic is at his job. And the public is is setting out to do something. So my point is, don't be discouraged by any reviews like that that you read. Uh, still go see the film, and I think it's a fantastic film uh, for what it is meant to be. So I, I, an 8 out of 10, I'm very comfortable saying that. Um, so on that note, uh, as far as reviews, uh, you know, reviewing items versus w- whatever, there's actually an article on Timed Edition uh, now, now it pertains to music. It's called Face the Music, but you could very easily apply it to movie reviews and critics as well. Uh, it's, a, it's a very good read, so I'd encourage you to jump over to Time Edition and, uh, and check out that article as well. So anyway, that's Tag. Guys, go see it and enjoy. I wish I had known the Jeremy Renner fact before I saw it because I think that would have been, uh, been, been a bit more fun for me. Yeah. So I'm excited to see it. All right. Uh, I will round the bases here and uh, rather quickly... Um, I'm not going to review the Incredibles two. Uh, I will say very, uh, I will give it a 9.5. That is my rating of the film. Absolutely. Go see it. I thought it was well worth the wait, but I have art and design this week, not film. So obviously I'm going to parlay that into what I think is one of the best components of this new film, which is the art and design of the film. If you're not a fan of Pixar movies, I'm sorry. Like Why? Like, just why? <laughs> They're beautiful movies. Great storytelling. Sometimes they miss, but for the most part, they are out-of-the-park classics, right? Um, the original Incredibles did that. It, it became an instant classic when it came out 14 years ago, and it was putting out state-of-the-art techniques, design elements, uh, the artistic storytelling through animation. Everything they did was cutting-edge, state-of-the-art absolutely beautiful um they were awarded for it they were um they were just showered with accolades for it well i believe they've done that again with incredibles 2 brad bird directed film the team outdid themselves when it comes to design so if you look at the film it's it's hard to tell what what time period the movie is. And I think what we see in the Incredibles is much like what you talked about, Patrick, with the marvelous Miss Maisel, where they use components. They use inspiration from a certain time period, which in this case would be um, mid-century modern. The whole film has a mid-century modern vibe to it, but at no point do they ever say it takes place back in the fifties, right? Every other implication would imply this movie takes place now, but the all the components within the, the world they've created are mid-century modern design. One step above what I think is an absolute beautiful color palette, aesthetic, like it's got the like very, very vibrant reds, pinks, purples, yellows, but also the very muted pastel tones of what would be considered like the um the the fashion palette of the day of a mid-century modern color palette is the techniques they have employed for animation. I was blown away by how good the team put together just some of the smallest components that, that most people won't even see or they'll see and, and take for granted because it feels so realistic. Sure. So, Texture in clothing, that is not something that's new. The fabric texture, we've had that implemented for well over a decade now, right? Incredibles 2 takes that to a different level. So there's obviously these comp- there's these moments where the, they're wearing spandex. A lot of the superhero characters are wearing spandex. But then the everyday characters, or when the superheroes are wearing their everyday clothes, they're wearing very much linen-based, cotton-based um, clothing that you would come to expect. <clears throat> the difference that I saw in this particular film, and there was one specific scene where I really noticed it and it made me key in the rest of the film. There is a, there is a scene where, and this is, this, I'm not giving anything away because in the, the trailers, it tells you this, uh, the bulk of the movie <clears throat> is centered on Elastigirl kind of being, uh, or Mrs. Incredible, whatever, Mrs. Parr, um, being the like the the focus of the superhero world while 
Mr. Incredible stays home with the kids. He becomes Mr. Mom, right? There is a scene where he's playing Mr. Mom and he's losing, he's losing his mind a little bit. He's going a little crazy with all these things that are happening and there's a lot of emotion and a lot of, he's just feeling very overwhelmed. And he was sitting at one point kind of slumped over. He stands up and is very animated. And when he stands up, you see a crease, like a, you know, a crease in his clothing from where he was just sitting. As he begins to talk and as he begins to move around, you see that crease start to work its way out. Like it would happen in real fabric. If someone goes from a sitting position to a standing position, you see it kind of fall loosely out of his clothing. The attention to detail on that is what I think sets this movie above, and Pixar even, maybe to some extent, above some of these other things that are being put out right now. And it sets, in my opinion, a new standard. There's, uh, You'll go to, a, go, go to the show notes of this episode. There's a link to... Um, to 22 things that you probably missed in the first Incredibles. And to read through that list, um, you see things that you probably never picked up on, which is obviously the point of the list, but it it makes the the statement in the article, this, like, because of all of what we just described to you, because of what, all what we just pointed out to you, um, and the level of detail, the level of care and attention and mindfulness that is put into making these obviously animated films because they're not they're not they're not focused on making these films look realistic. Sure. They're trying to apply real world physics into an, an animated cartoon world. Um, they make the assertion that the very the, these kinds of things that are put the care and attention put into these specific films with the Incredibles are why it took 14 years to get another um, installment in the franchise. And if it takes 14 more years and they see the same kinds of evolution, I'll wait. You know what I mean? I, I, this this truly from an artistic standpoint, from and if you, and when I say artistic, I don't just mean visual. I mean from a storytelling standpoint, from a character evolution standpoint. Uh, and I think this was absolutely the best way to approach a sequel. The film can stand on its own. It can it can benefit from the evolution of technology without without bridging so far because from fourteen years. There's been so much change in technology that it could automatic it could all of a sudden feel too realistic or too something that it wasn't before. Sure. But this was a perfect bridge of bridging technology and storytelling that I think um, this this signifies what what so many other um, sequels need to be, which is that this didn't feel like it was a cash grab at all. This felt like a true artistic story that could stand on its own, but these are characters that we've already been introduced to in another iteration. Um, and I absolutely, absolutely loved it and kudos to the team. And we, our friend, um, our friend, Josh Holtzclaw being able to work on this film, you know, I look at this and see how, how well it's doing. I mean, it's, it's poised to be the, I think it already has surpassed the largest animated, film debut for the weekend is that right patrick yes that's correct good yeah <laughs> i believe if 180 I remember- million do you realize that in one weekend it has done uh in fact i think it's only 10 million dollars shy or might be 20 million dollars shy of doing what solo has done up to this point yeah that's telling of storytelling yes. <laughs> <laughs> um but from an artistic standpoint and i i to be able to to know that we've got some some uh, some friends of ours, friends of the show who have actively participated in in this in the artistic side of it, I am thrilled to see that people are appreciating and loving and enjoying and showing up for this film. So, um, anyway, I will be purchasing the art of The Incredibles too. There's a link for that in the show notes as well. Um, just head over to the show notes. There's several different assets for this particular topic because I didn't have enough time to talk about all of it, but go, go check this stuff out. Um, and then if you haven't seen the film, Oh my gosh, what are you doing? This is like a week and a half after it's released. You are missing out. Go see this movie. Um, okay. That's it for the episode, I believe. So you can find us on mf1podcast.com where you can find all of these show notes and links that I just talked about, uh, as well as a whole bunch of other things from the whole episode that we talked about. There's stuff to be purchased. There's things to go check out. Um, 
go go see the go see the uh, the show notes. While you're there, you can go to shop.m1podcast.com to buy swag to support the show and look cool doing it. You can support the show on Patreon as well. Throw a couple bucks in there each month. Um, it helps us out more than you could ever know. We are so grateful and thankful to our patrons for believing in us and showing up big time. Um, and we're constantly trying to figure out ways to do this better and uh, give you more for uh, for. I mean, what honestly is a. I mean, it's not more for less because you're already ninety nine. It's more for more. Really. Yeah, it's just more. <laughs> um, but uh, it's because of our patrons that we're able to explore new ideas and new options. Um, and so, if you're not one, uh, become one. And if you are one, thank you so so much. You can also support the show by uh, liking, reviewing, subscribing. Rating, reviewing, I said review twice, but I'm going to say one more time, review it, uh, because it doesn't take any money. Cost takes very little time, but it helps us out so, so much. And if you've listened to the show for any more than one week, why aren't you? Like, that's the question that I have. It's so simple. Just do it. Um, and we will mention you on the show. I mean, that's the reality of it. Like, that's a, it's a real cheap way to, uh, to get mentioned in a way that thousands of people will hear your name. That's very... I mean, honestly, that's about the the cheapest. That's the most legal way. Yep, that's true. Um, but I think other than that, you can find us on the uh, Discord channel. Go to mf1podcast.com slash Discord or mf1podcast.com slash family and join the conversation in there. It's it's a good time. There's all sorts of things happening day and night in the Discord channel. Hop in there and join the conversation. You can find us on social media, mf1podcast, all over the different platforms. We have our personal social media, which we don't talk about a whole lot, but I'm at Andrew Sale with threes instead of E's. I'm at the great Pats B. That's with two A's. And I'm Luke Gall. You'll find me. It's super simple. Find us, chat with us. We want to talk to you. Um, but I think for now, we're going to hop out of this episode. I'm Andrew. I'm Patrick. I'm Luke. Peace to the outs. Bye. Play games. Yeah.